It was a routine breakout play with 47 seconds left in a beer league hockey game in Ottawa. Mid-March 2012, Pirates were leading the Tiger Cats 5-3. Drew Casterton, a Pirates winger, passed the puck to a teammate and peeled around the net, heading up ice to join his team in the rush out of their zone. It was then the Tiger Cats' Gordon McIsaac lit him up. It was a play that would change the lives of both men. Hi, I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. An Ontario court ruled one beer league player has to pay another $700,000 in damages for slamming into him during the last minute of a game in 2012. Temporarily knocked unconscious, the judge found Drew Casterton's brain injury left him with permanent damage and he has never returned to the life he enjoyed before the hit. Now this is an interesting case. One rec league player hit another and now almost eight years later, that player who hit the other one has to pay 700 grand in damages. Ouch. Kind of sounds like a dirty hit. Well, let's not prejudge this. Let's take a look at what Justice Sally Gomery had to say in her decision. Yeah, I'd be interested to figure out why beer league players or players in any rec sport should care about what happened in an Ontario courtroom. So Justice Gomery got testimony from a bunch of players from both teams, even the ref at the game. Now, being seven years after the incident, almost eight years after the incident, the judge had to weed out testimony she found to be questionable. But she was able to put together the sequence of events that led up to the hit. Basically, she concluded that McIsaac, that's the guy who hit Casterton, quote, intentionally skated at high speed towards Casterton from an angle where his approach could not be seen. Blindside, dirty hit. She also spoke with medical experts and reviewed Casterton's medical history before and after the hit to find out how his life was altered after that 2012 Beer League game. Sounds like his post-concussion symptoms are pretty severe. She awarded Casterton with just more than $700,000 covering in damages including lost wages, future wages and damages that the insurance policy the league didn't. Wow, all from a dirty hit in a Beer League hockey game? Yeah, that's what it looks like. I play in a beer league in Calgary. Does that mean that if I hit a guy, I'm getting sued? Well, look, I'm no lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. Let's ask an injury lawyer. Joseph Cheskin is a partner at McLeish Orlando, an injury law firm in Toronto. And Joseph wrote about this case in a blog post. Joseph, welcome. Thanks for speaking with you today. Joseph, we just finished looking over Justice Gomery's decision in this $700,000 civil case from a beer league hit in Ontario. Does it set a precedent for other judges to consider with similar cases? I think what it really does is it sort of codifies... um, a rule that already existed in law in terms of uh, what's appropriate conduct for these adult safe hockey leagues. I don't foresee that there's going to be any um, sudden expansion of claims. People who are participating in these leagues certainly don't need to suddenly be um, concerned that they're going to be faced with uh, a bunch of lawsuits if they are enjoying a, a game of rec hockey. What this decision does is it puts the players on the team who act like goons on notice in terms of um, in terms of their style of play. So there's a very clear um, delineation, um, and the judgment is really very nuanced in the sense of the analysis of the play and what amounts to behavior that is outside of the regular bounds of a recreational hockey game and what behavior 
um, would otherwise be tolerated. So, you know, it's quite, it's quite clear that if there is unintentional contact that's part of the regular game of hockey, you know, two people are, are rushing for the puck and there's some incidental contact, despite the fact that you're in a no-contact league, that's not going to um, give rise to any claim, even if there is an injury to either of those two players. Um, what is going to give rise to a claim against a striking player is where he or she, um, you know, does so intentionally and outside of the the regular rules of the hockey game. So, I mean, this league, like many of the Adult Safe Hockey League, did have uh, um, serious penalties that are enforced against players who violate the the no no contact provision. Um, of the rules, and that conduct in itself, even if there was some contact that wasn't intentional, probably wouldn't have been enough to um, reach a a decision like this. It was, uh, in terms of this decision, a very clear um, analysis on the facts where we have a finding of evidence um, that the striking player in this case you know, really intended to cause some harm here and that, um, you know, Mr. Casterton really didn't have any uh, ability to avoid the, avoid this hit. I play in a beer league here in Calgary. I'm actually the president, and I can tell you firsthand that there's dirty hockey players. I'm not going to mm-hmm. name names because I respect the guys, even though maybe they don't respect me. Every single game, there is a dirty play. Maybe not dirty to this extent, mm-hmm. but stick work, guys getting slashed, hooked, you know, the odd body check. It does happen from game to game. And I get it. Guys like Casterton and McIsaac, they've probably been playing hockey for most of their life and being in their late 20s, they still want to play. They also probably watch their favorite team. In this case, with the guys being in Ottawa, maybe it's the Sens or the Leafs or even the Habs. And in their mind, they want to play like their favorite player. Look, the three penalty rule is put in place. So once you get three penalties, you're out of the game. People can't hook and slash and spear all game long or take the body for that matter. And guess what? It cleans everything up. Let's go back to this game, though. One of these guys, in this case, it's McIsaac. He wants to make an impact on the game they're playing. Game late in the season. Maybe it's their playoffs. Final minute of the play. They're down a goal or two and they figure they can win it in the final push. And, you know, maybe they make a questionable play. That's the problem. It's not that competitive of a game. Winning and losing shouldn't matter that much to you where you're trying to make an impact other than scoring a goal or making a defensive play. It's no excuse. It's beer league non-contact hockey. So we've all got that one friend who is usually responsible for organizing any time we get together with a group of friends, right? You're looking at him. Casterton, also that guy. In fact, Casterton's backstory is pretty interesting. He was the eldest of three siblings, all boys growing up in Ottawa. His father worked for a nuclear regulator and his mom was a nurse. Casterton's life revolved around his love of sports. He played hockey in a house league and then later competitively as a child, played volleyball, baseball, skied and ran track at school. He testified that he loved the camaraderie of sports and his best friends were also his teammates. But he wasn't just a stereotypical jock, he also excelled in school. When Casterton was 13, his family moved to Vienna, Austria and lived there for four years. When Casterton returned, he skipped a grade and graduated earlier than normal. 
He turned his love of sports into a degree in kinesiology at Dalhousie, during which he took a year off to travel in Australia. After graduation, he worked in Ottawa as a kinesiologist and a personal trainer with a high-end gym. Four years later, he started his own business, a personal training service called Connected. And you can bet he was in great shape. He was also always trying to get his friends to do stuff, his teammate Matt Hine told the court. Casterton organized whitewater rafting and camping trips, organized teams for fundraisers like a volleyball tournament or dragon boat racing. And like I said earlier, he was the guy behind getting his close friends together for a weekly pub night. His teammate Jonathan Beaupre said Casterton was the social hub of his social circle. And we all have that person in our lives, the person who takes you and will be that shoulder to cry on. They'll be that friend that will go out with you when you're in need of a hand or help. They're that person who's kind of the rock of the group. Casterton was also very close with his family. He and his brother went in together to buy a house back in 09. And Casterton quit the high-end gym gig in part to have more flexibility in his week to help his mother, who was going through chemotherapy and fighting ovarian cancer at the time. I think we can all agree from what we've heard about Drew. He's a stand-up guy and a type of person you'd want in your life. And in your locker room. Tiger Cats trying to enter the zone. Last minute of play in the third period. Masu Burrow with the puck. Crosses the blue line. Clark closing the gap. Down goes Clark. Looks like he caught an edge. And now Masu Barra's down on top of Clark. The puck is loose. Casterton picks it up off the far side. Hash heading behind the net and rings it around the boards. Picked up by Hind on the near side. Oh my goodness. McIsaac just hammered Casterton. Casterton's down on the ice. And the ref has whistled the play dead. So, Dave, you mentioned you've played hockey for years. Yeah, I've played for 26 years. I've played since I was five years old. Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm a president of a beer league hockey association. And basically all it is is a bunch of guys and girls going out there to have fun, to stay in shape. It's once a week. I don't want to go to work on Monday with a banged up face. So here's a question. In your 25, 26 years of playing the game you love, you ever get your bell rung? You ever see those guys who get hit really hard and are swimming around the ice? I have been that guy in my career. It happened about 10 years ago, but I tell you what, I never want to be in that situation again. Casterton got his bell rung as a result of the hit. He even temporarily lost consciousness. He was knocked out after this hit. I can tell you from personal experience, that's not good. And after hearing testimony from players on both teams and a ref, Justice Gomery said McIsaac blindsided Casterton. He wrote McIsaac, quote, positioned his arms and drew up his body in such a way as to maximize bodily contact, causing a collision between McIsaac's shoulder and forearms and the lower half of Casterton's face. Casterton did not anticipate the check and, as such, made no moves to protect himself or attempt to avoid the collision. Hit him in the face, so I'm guessing... No full cage. No, no, no full cage. Casterton was wearing a visor. So how did that affect the judge's decision? If Casterton had a full cage, he wouldn't have had all the facial injuries, right? Right. Casterton had cuts on his cheek, above his lip, on his chin, inside his mouth, and half of his two top teeth broken off. So basically, he was kind of a mess. Yeah, absolutely. But to answer your earlier question, the judge did take the wearing of the full cage versus visor into consideration. The league they were playing in, the Ontario Senior Men's Hockey League, gave players the choice of a visor or a full cage. But players choosing the visor would lose dental coverage. So the judge decided Casterton was not negligent in playing with a visor. Also, with the force of the hit and the way Casterton's head hit the ice, Gomery said Casterton's choice of facial protection 
the visor, would not have anything to do with the more serious of his injuries, the concussion. And I can tell you firsthand about the injuries that happen due to a concussion. You have post-concussion syndrome. I played with a guy named Jordan Reed. He never played another game after January 10 years ago because of concussions. He'd hit his head on the ice. He'd been hit in the head too many times. And that's it. The doctor said, no more. Mm-hmm. And Casterton definitely had some post-concussion effects. He suffers from crippling headaches about once a week, finds interactions with others difficult, and he gets tired easily. The guy who used to organize every event that his friends took part in and was Mr. Personal Trainer gets tired easily? Yeah, that's not what you'd expect from a personal trainer who worked 50, 60 hours a week and played rec hockey. Sounds like he was a bit of a dynamo. Yeah, absolutely. Not too long after the hit, Casterton, who just turned 30, visited a doctor complaining of headaches that he got when he was socializing with his friends, being in environments with loud noises or bright lights, or even watching TV. He was also sleeping 12 hours a night. It kind of reminds me of when Sidney Crosby got his concussions gone for, what, three, four months, half a season, and he had all these symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. Like Crosby, Casterton went to see neurologists, but even six months after the hit, he could only work one or two days a week. That's far from the guy we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. In 2013, a year after the hit, Dr. Laura Rees said Casterton was, quote, an extremely high-functioning gentleman with relative weakness in speed or processing and working memory, susceptibility to interference effects, and momentary lapses in attention slash concentration. Casterton also reported signs of depression or apathy. And when we heard about Sidney Crosby, these were all the effects of the concussions he was dealing with a year later. So Casterton even tried to return to play hockey that season following the one he was hit, but he missed a whole bunch of games. Classic hockey guy. (laughs) Absolutely. You couldn't keep him down. Dr. Joanna Hamilton testified that most people with a concussion recover quickly and generally get back to their normal selves. But Casterton was one of a small minority of people who did not. Dr. Hamilton said Casterton was suffering from persistent post-concussive symptoms that would continue to impact the rest of his life. And in her view, his condition was caused by the concussion he sustained in the March 2012 hockey game. You said he was really close to his family. How did the hit change the relationship with his family? And was he still able to help his mom through chemo? Casterton's father testified that after March of 2012, his son was unable to provide the same degree of help, calling it a dramatic change. Casterton's father was in tears as he compared his son's writing in a Father's Day card before 2012 to after, and how shaky the writing was after the hit. So this guy, Drew Casterton, young man, 29 years old. He was a personal trainer and really physically fit. He was the guy to always call up his buds and organize beers, and he was close with his family, helping his mother with chemo. And all that forever changed when he was hit by McIsaac. And a judge in a civil court deems Gordon McIsaac responsible and has to pay Casterton more than $700,000 in damages. That's right. I should note that McIsaac was also tried in criminal court for the hit. Casterton's brother Lee, who was on the Pirates with his brother, called the police after the hit. McIsaac was charged and convicted with assault, but was successfully appealed because the first trial judge was found to have speculated about how the play unfolded. And the second conviction was quashed and the charge stayed because the Crown took too long to retry the case. I reached out to Lori Lopez, the executive director of the Canadian Adult Rec Hockey Association. She said, and you'll know this having played, Dave, that on-ice incidents happen maybe 2% of the time. So 
our association puts out um, rules. We have an official rule book. We have suspension guidelines. Um, so in adult rec hockey, it is, there is no body contact. Mm. So there's incidental contact for sure. Um, but there is no body contact. And when something does happen, we do have strong recommendations in terms of penalties that are uh, to be um, uh, imposed for those situations. Um, one piece of our association is we are a membership-based association. And a part of the membership is an insurance program. So as a member with us, uh, you would receive a 10 million liability policy as well as uh, on-ice sport accident. So if somebody does get hurt, there is a program for them through our association to get coverage. Uh, Whether they have it through their work, we would cover off whatever isn't covered, or if they don't have coverage, we would become their primary coverage. Lori said these type of insurance policies have been in place for longer than she's been with the association, more than 19 years. So if I'm a regular Joe looking to get back into hockey, looking to sign up for a beer league, what should I know? I asked Lori that very question. Well, I think what's important is uh, making sure that the league is run and operated in a manner that they're comfortable with. So ensuring that there are you know, guidelines and parameters in place um, that if situations or there's an individual that's acting a little bit more aggressive than they should be on the ice, that measures are going to be taken. Um, do their homework, talk to our association. We have connections with all the leagues across the country that are members of ours, and we know which ones are, and the majority of them are that are with us. They will have like a league constitution. So they have protocols in situations that go kind of offside. Um, one thing to keep in mind with the sport of hockey, as you were alluding to, is the best sport in the world. Um, it is Canada's game. When these situations happen, sometimes the world looks at it and and mars the sport. And one thing that we always say is that there's so much positivity that comes out of the sport of hockey that, you know, even if it's a pickup game, even if it's, you know, just a bunch of guys getting together, it it really provides um, an outlet for that camaraderie that you start to lose as you go go through your life. And Mm -hmm. so that piece is very important and we don't want to lose sight of that. You know, it'll be interesting to see um, how the hockey world uh, responds um, now that this has been really pit, pulled um, out of uh, the Ottawa area and mm-hmm. uh, and see how, you know, over the, the course of the next few months, you know, are there going to be municipalities that are going to start to mandate uh, liability for their ICE users? Uh, we are starting to see that trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe with this situation, we're going to start to see more and more of the community saying, you know what, before you sign on to that ICE contract, you need to prove that you have liability protection. So it'll be interesting to see how it all rolls out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you're going to need to have more than just your helmet and pads for protection before you step on the ice for a game. That's it. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter, at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a week.